You're listening to Asbury University's Chapel Podcast, recorded live from our campus in Wilmore, Kentucky. Asbury's Chapel Service hosts speakers from around the world to inspire academic excellence and spiritual vitality. We hope you enjoy today's message. Well, thank you for the opportunity to come and share the Word of God with you this morning. As Dr. Dean mentioned, I'm from South America, and you will notice that I have an accent. And so rather than keeping you guessing, I will tell you I was born in Brazil, but I grew up in Argentina. And so my accent is a mix of Spanish and Portuguese. So good luck making sense of me this morning. Okay, but uh, Dr. Dean mentioned that my husband and I attended Asbury Seminary right across the street a few years ago as students. And one day we were sitting in a Christian doctrine class long, long, long class, and my sister, who's from Brazil, happened to be visiting, and she came and attended class with us that day. Well, she got bored, apparently, because she left, and she started walking down the hallways, and then all of a sudden, all we hear is the fire alarm going off, and the professor looked, and he didn't know what to do, so obviously he said, class is canceled, we got to move out of the building, and all the students, and my husband and I looked at each other, and we said, what did my sister do? (laughs) And uh, we were outside of the building, and uh, here comes my sister with a big, you know, grin on her face, and we looked at her, and she's like, guys, I think I did that. What do you mean you did that? You started a fire. Oh, no, no. I didn't know what that thing on the wall was. It said, pull down. So I just pulled it down, and I'm like, oh, my word, where it was too late. The fire trucks were already in there, uh, here, uh, right across from the chapel, and uh, the professor was talking to them, and my husband looked at me and said, we got to tell him. And I was like, no, you tell him. And so he approached the professor and said, hey, she's from Brazil. She doesn't know anything. And so uh, please have mercy, but the firemen, they weren't very happy with us. Well, guess what, it, what the first thing that comes to my mind? mind every time I come back to Asbury. Uh, You would think it would be the statue of Wesley or the library. No, no, no. It's the fire trucks. That's the first thing that I remember, the fire trucks coming down to rescue us from the fire. Well, it's been only a few months since we've said goodbye to 2020. And it could be said that 2020 was a year of fire for many of us. And rather than being remembered for its perfect vision, 2020 will go down in history as the year in which the pandemic laid low the entire human race. And around the globe, 2020 was a year of loss for many people. Maybe the loss of a job, the loss of a family member, the loss of an opportunity, and so on. And for me, it was a year of great loss. As Dr. Dean mentioned, my husband fought a courageous battle with brain cancer, and after two and a half years, he went to be with the Lord early in June of last year. And so there I was, I found myself a foreigner, a widow, without any relatives in this country, nobody could travel because of COVID, and uh, now I was with a hole in my heart and two little kids to raise, and I, I, I was hoping and praying that the fire trucks would come down to my rescue. Well, many of the prophets in the Bible lived in times similar as the ones we are living in, where turmoil, chaos, and fragmentation seem to be the order of the day. In fact, one of those prophets is the prophet Ezekiel. 
in what he sees, what God shows him is far from a pretty sight, a valley full of dry bones. I want to read the, the word of God this morning out of Ezekiel chapter 37, and I just invite you to follow along as I read the word of God for the people of God. It says this, the hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, son of man, can these bones live? I said, sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you, and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Verse 11, then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. My people, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done it. What Ezekiel sees here in, in, in this vision is the state of the nation of Israel one of the darkest periods in the, in the history of the Israelites. They had been crushed and ravaged from every side. They were devastated. Their land had been decimated. They had been taken into captivity, and they had lost family members. They had lost their place of worship. They had lost their position in society. They had been ridiculed by the surrounding nations. They were at their lowest. But where Ezekiel sees devastation, God sees restoration. And where Ezekiel sees darkness, God sees light. And where Ezekiel sees hopelessness and defeat, God sees something new emerging out of nothing. Because you see, the word breath that he promises to put into them is, comes from the Hebrew word ruach. And ruach in the scriptures can be often translated as breath or wind, but most fundamentally it refers to the energy that is contained in the Spirit of God that is able to create out of nothing, or to recreate, or to enliven His creation. And so this is the Spirit of God that is hovering over the darkness to bring about purpose in the midst of chaos, to bring about goodness in the midst of darkness. And the Spirit of God has good news for us today because He's still the same. It does not matter how despairing life gets. It does not matter how difficult life gets. The Spirit of God is here to bring about newness of life, to bring about purpose in the midst of chaos, and to help us get back up no matter how many times life knocks us down. So I want to suggest to you this morning three steps because you see, the Spirit of God doesn't come directly on the dry bones. There's a process. 
And the text shows us that. Because the Spirit of God doesn't come directly on them. He has to put tendons first. Then he has to create other layers. He has to put flesh. And then the skin. And then the Spirit of God can come and enliven you. And so I want to suggest three steps. And the first one is this. And I want you to say it with me so you remember it. The first one is persistence. Say it with me. Persistence. You must persevere. And sometimes the Spirit guides us through green pastures. Like Psalm 23 says, oh, quiet waters, and he refreshes our soul. Oh, in those wonderful times. Who doesn't like those times? (laughs) But at other times, we are guided through the valley of shadow and death, and we are told to fear no evil. Now, of course, it is natural to despair at that time because nobody likes to walk through the valley of shadow and death. It is no fun. And yet the Spirit of God is still there helping us, molding us, calling us back up. And so we must persevere even more in those times. That's where we create the tendons. That's where we create the muscles. And so when my husband passed away, I had a choice. I could either despair and give in, or I could somehow seek to find meaning and purpose in the midst of my darkest hour. And so I decided that, yes, I would make that choice because I must go on and I must move forward. And so I joined a biking club because I enjoy sports. I am a runner and I do triathlon. So I joined a biking club. I was the only woman joining this biking club. I knew nobody, but I said, I'm going to try it and I'm going to go and do something new. And so I made some new friends. And one Saturday morning, if you know something about the place where I live, close to Chicago, it's very, very windy. And on a Saturday morning, the winds were almost 20 miles an hour. And I said, oh, no, I'm going to skip today. I'm not going out. It's not going to be any fun. But I said, no, get back, get back up there and go do it anyway. So I made myself go. And, oh, my word, we rode the first 18 miles against the winds. And at one point, I said, no, I didn't sign up for this. I don't need another battle. I'm turning back and I'm going home. But my friends were patient enough to wait for me and say, no, come on, come on, let's go. We're going to turn the corner. We're going to turn the corner. It'll be fun. (sighs) Keep going, keep going. And then finally, yeah, we did. We turned the corner. And they were right. It was exhilarating at that time. Can you imagine biking and the winds, like, pushing you? You don't even have to bike. They just take you. (laughs) It was so much fun. And, guys, that's exactly how life works. Sometimes the winds are against us. And those are the times in which we actually have to work harder and keep pushing and keep persisting and keep persevering. Because soon enough, we will turn the corner. And when we turn the corner, oh, it'll be smooth sailing from there. And so I'm going to tell you what I tell my students every time I get. Don't ever, 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 ever give up. It's in you. You have what it takes. Finish strong. Regardless of what may come your way, God has put you here for a purpose and a destiny. And he wants to equip you with his power and his presence so that you can make a difference in this world. So finish this year strong. Martin Luther King Jr. said it like this. He said, if you can't run, then walk. If you can't walk, then crawl. But by all means, keep moving forward. And sometimes it is just one step at a time. So persistence. Persistence. Number two is prayer. Prayer. Say it with me. Prayer. You see, we have an inherent tendency to get distracted or sometimes to get hardened in the valley. And God wants our hearts soft. 
And so the way to do it is just to simply lift that up to him and say, God, you see my anger. God, you see my shame. God, you see my guilt. You see it all. You can, no, we can't hide from him. He sees you and he knows you. He knows your pain. And so you just basically say it, I don't know how to pray. Sometimes all the prayer it takes is Psalm 69, 18. Lord, come near and rescue me. And that'll be enough. Or in other words, Lord, send the fire trucks. Send the fire trucks and lift me out of this fire. And he will come to your rescue. I mentioned to you that I, uh, I was born in Brazil. And Brazil is a beautiful land. It's a land that attracts thousands of visitors to its shore every year. One of the most visited places is Cristo Redentor, Christ the Redeemer. And with outstretched arms, this statue overlooks the prosperous city of Rio de Janeiro, one of the most beautiful cities in the world. Now, the view from the mountaintop is truly breathtaking, awe-inspiring. But one must go over to the other side of the mountain to really get to see the whole picture of the place. Because in the back, you will see all the shacks of the poor that stretch for miles and miles into the distance. And so on one side, there's beauty. And on the other side, there's heartbreak. And that is the reality of any place. You can't walk long in the streets of any city without encountering elements of beauty and elements of tragedy, walking hand in hand. Now, prayer has often taken a similar path. We pray with, we kind of bifurcate it, and when we are joyful, we pray uh, with joy in our hearts, and when the winds are against us, we pray with sorrow in our heart. But prayer is an embrace of both joy and sorrow, both praise and pain, of both beauty and tragedy under the same breath. For surely, life is not beautiful at times and painful at other times. Life is always beautiful, and it is always painful. And so when we pray, we actually join the suffering servant, our risen Lord, who is praying for us and lives to intercede for us. And we also join the Spirit as He makes intercession through us. And so we join the entire Trinity in this embrace of both beauty and tragedy, faithfulness and loss. And prayer is really just a response to the grace of God that is already available and at work in each one of us. Now, whenever you are going through difficult journeys and difficult bumps, you must hold on to something stable. And the only constant, most constant and stable thing you will find is the grace of God that doesn't shift with the shadows. It is always available, and it's always one prayer away. The third step in this process is to always pursue the peace of God. It doesn't take an expert to recognize that we are living in times where brokenness is rampant everywhere, from national wars to family feuds, from terminal illnesses to mental agony and emotional pain, from relational struggles to financial difficulty. We are breaking at levels not known before, 
And I am not here to suggest causes nor prescribe the cure. I am here simply to say that despite the fact that we are living these realities, God is still at work. God still desires to heal. God still wants to restore. God is still doing something new because that is who he is. And he doesn't change. Now, if you haven't experienced that yet, then I will tell you, embrace these three things, and sure enough, you will. Persistence, prayer, and the pursuit of God's peace. And sure enough, God will show up in one step at a time, begin to emerge something new out of nothing once again. Just like in the passage we read, after the tendons are placed, after the, the flesh is given, and the skin is recovered. Sure enough, Ruach, the Spirit of God, shows up. And he enters the scene. And what Ezekiel sees is a vast army rising up. And this is the picture of what God desires to do even in this time of our history. Because he desires to restore. He desires to transform. He desires to come to our rescue. And he does this so that we may step into our purpose and destiny with confidence, knowing that he who began a good work in you will carry it to completion until the day of Christ. And we, as we approach the table of the Lord this morning, and we are uh, participants in his sacrifice, we do so with gratitude in our hearts, recognizing that it is all about him. And we do also with anticipation for what is yet to come fully, knowing that he is indeed making all things new and that he will carry us one day at a time closer to the promise of his fulfillment in the kingdom. May the Lord bless you and keep you and may his peace be upon you.